Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be with you. It is Rabbi Michael Katz here on Chai FM on our slot called Judaism 101.9. In the first part of uh, this session, let's chat about the upcoming Shabbat, which is known as Shabbat Hagadol, the big Shabbos. What is so big about the Shabbos and why does it get this name Shabbat Hagadol and what is it actually all about? The big Shabbos. This big Shabbos actually having gone through a couple of times where we had a few times where we had um, the different Torahs taken out of the Oren Kodesh as we mentioned last week and the week before that <coughs> and last week when we had a real triple header where we took out three Torahs and we read from three different uh, Sifrei Torah during the Shabbos morning service. This week, we only take out one. So what makes it then such a big Shabbos? It's almost diminished in a way from the ones that went before. Well, there are several reasons why this is known as Shabbat Agadol. Let's go back in history and let's think about the period of time, of course, it's the Shabbat that comes before the beautiful Chag of Pesach, of Pesach, which will occur at the end of next week, come Thursday night already, is the Bedikat Chametz, Friday morning, which happens to be a public holiday, I understand. We will have the Mechirat, the, the, the um, Bior Chometz, we will have done the Mechirat Chometz, the selling of the Chometz. We'll talk about all of those things a little bit later, but then we come to Pesach, Next week on Friday night and um, then into the eight days of Pesach that we commemorate in the Gola, in the Diaspora. And when we think about um, the advent of Pesach, of course, Shabbat HaGadol has got everything to do with the advent of Pesach. It is the forerunner to Pesach. But in a very real way, we're told that it was on a Shabbat that the first action actually of the getting out of Egypt happened. This was the beginning of the Geula. This was the beginning of the redemption. How did it all transpire? Well, if we think about the instructions that were issued, and we see them all in the Torah, in the book of Exodus, where um, Hashem issues the instructions to Moshe Rabbeinu and Moses, in turn issues them to the Jewish people, and they incorporate the idea of having to take a lamb and bring it into your home, and tie it to your bedpost and keep it there for four days. And on the fourth day, which was going to be the 14th of the month of Nisan, which is the day on which the Korban Pesach, the Paschal sacrifice, was always brought, it was going to be on that day, the very first one, that we were going to slaughter the animal and then roast it on an open flame, on an open fire. And that was then going to be the meal for that evening, for that night, symbolizing our exodus, which was going to take place the very next morning as we were getting out of Egypt. So this was something that we were called upon to do in a very, very important uh, set of rules on how the Paschal sacrifice, the Passover offering, the Pesach lamb, was going to be brought into the home and then kept there and then slaughtered. Well, it all happened and it all occurred and it all began on the 10th of Nisan, the 10th day of Nisan. And we're told that that 10th day of Nisan happened to be a Shabbat. Now, why it's significant 
I think, that it was a Shabbat, is because the Jewish people, we remember, had um, sheep and they had cattle and they went out to work and they did all of those sort of things. But this action had to be startlingly different. It needed to attract attention. To see the Jewish people, to see any of them busy with animals or doing all sorts of work during the week was something that uh, would not have raised any alarm bells in the minds of the Egyptians. But Dafka on that Shabbat, when we were told, take the Paschal lamb on the 10th, which is Shabbat, take it and bring it into your home, that would have raised some kind of alarm bells in the minds of the Egyptians. They would take a look at it and they would say, or they did say, what are you guys doing? What's going on here? And it um, clearly was completely out of the ordinary. It was completely out of place. It didn't fit with anything that had gone before, anything that we had done before. And here to be taking this lamb on Shabbat into our homes and to keep it there, well, what was that all about? It was in order to bring out a defiance amongst our people, a an ability to stand up and say to the Egyptians, you see, you have worshipped these lambs as your gods. You've regarded lambs and sheep as your god. We're going to take the sheep. We're going to slaughter it on the 14th. We're going to eat it. And this is going to be our exit strategy. This is the way we're going to get out of Egypt. Um, God is going to whisk us out of here. Um, the very next morning, we're going to be on our way with our matzahs and everything else that we're taking with us. This was the forerunner to the Exodus. And what was deemed necessary by the Almighty was to bring out the strength and the act of defiance and to see to it that the Jewish people had a mitzvah that they had done in order to get out of there. And all of this happened on Shabbat, on the Shabbat preceding the Exodus. It happened to be the 10th, but it's not really married to the uh, to the date as much in our thinking of Shabbat Hagadol, as it is to the concept that it was actually Shabbat, that our redemption, our geula, actually began on a Shabbat. Now, we all know that Shabbat itself, Shabbos takes us to a different plane, to a different space. It creates in our minds, our hearts, and our souls a completely different feeling. In a way, we are divorced from the... Um, uh, the run of the mill, the, uh, the 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 world that passes us by, and um, we don't give it a, a second glance when it comes to Shabbat, because Shabbos is what we call Me'ain Olam Haba. Shabbat is already a feeling, a taste. It's a part of the world to come. It's something like what it'll be like um, in the world to come, and when Mashiach comes, and so on. And so we're tapping into that energy of Shabbat, thinking about our exodus from Egypt, thinking about that that was where the Gula, where the redemption all began. And this is why, one of the reasons why it is called Shabbat Hagadol, the big Shabbos. It was the big Shabbos before we got out. But it's also known as Shabbat Hagadol because it was on that day that news got out that the firstborn of Egypt were going to be slain, that all firstborn of Egypt, it wasn't just kids, it was anybody who was a firstborn, was going to be killed in the plague of the firstborn, which was the last plague um, to befall the Egyptians, and uh, therefore the actual um, uh, catalyst for our exodus, the reason that we actually got out, we were chased out of there by Pharaoh and the Egyptians eventually. This all happened um, on the 10th, actually, that the news got out, and the firstborn went and they raised a protest. They started a, a protest against 
um, Pharaoh's palace they took on and there were some running battles um, apparently with the soldiers um, around Pharaoh's palace and around the capital and so on and thus began the beginning of unrest and the beginning of um, a a kind of a feeling within Egypt that um, this wasn't all going to end well for Pharaoh and for all his men and for Egypt per se. Be back with you right after this. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. What would you choose? We've been talking about Shabbat Hagadol, the big Shabbos that is coming up and several of the reasons as to why it's called Shabbat Hagadol. Why is it called the big Shabbos? Well, firstly, it is the forerunner to the redemption. It is the forerunner to the time that we got out of Egypt. It was in the times that we were just quitting Egypt. It was actually the 10th of Nisan on which we began the process of taking the lamb into our homes, being able to stand up and act in a way of a defiance um, against the Egyptians and their gods, cutting ourselves off from idol worship and doing all of those things as a preparation for getting out of Egypt. So it was the beginning of the Gula, it was the beginning of the redemption. In addition, there was the rising up of the firstborn who got word of the fact that they were going to be wiped out and they said, well, Pharaoh, you're playing with our lives and they started a Mass action, a protest, I guess, outside the uh, palace of uh, the king began a confrontation with the uh, security, with the cops, with the guards um, who were standing stationed outside. And so began a, not an Arab spring, but I guess an Egyptian spring. Um, and maybe that's where the words come from because Pesach always has to be in the spring. It was the beginning of a revolution in that part of the world for that very first time. And so we have the um, notion of it being a big Shabbos in terms of the beginning of the end, the beginning of the redemption. But it's also called Shabbat Agadol because it became the idea um, or the idea um, came into being of the fact that on this Shabbat, the Gadol, the Gadol in the community, in other words, the Talmud Chachem or the rabbi, the leader of the community from a spiritual sense, was uh, tasked with the job on this Shabbos of preparing people properly for Pesach. Now, uh, not everybody um, had the facilities that we do today of being able to go online or uh, listen to this kind of a talk on a radio show and so on. Um, they relied on uh, perhaps just a once-off face-to-face contact. Not everybody, I guess, was that literate. Not everybody was able to study for themselves. And the Chacham, the uh, leader of the community, would get up in front of the community on Shabbat HaGadol. And so he was a Gadol. He was big in his Torah learning. And in addition to that, he gave a, a, a speech that was gadol. Now, um, today's day and age, I guess, with all the other distractions, people find it difficult to sit through just a few minutes of a rabbi's drosha. Um, here, it was a time of a whopper of a, a drosha, of a, a delivering of all the things that people were needed to know for Pesach. And there was a lot. If you go through the Shulchan Aruch, if you look at the code of Jewish law on what it is that we as Jews actually have to do, not only in the preparation for Pesach, but on Pesach itself, it occupies volumes. It is huge. And so a synopsis of all of that, I guess, was given on Shabbat Hagadol so that people would know exactly what to do come Pesach. It was a uh, completely um, 
different experience from everything that happened during the year. It's the one time where everything just about that was fine to be eaten throughout the year is now not fine to be eaten during this week and a bit of Pesach. And uh, so people needed to be prepped. They needed to know. And, of course, as um, rabbis in town, we all know, and as individuals in town, you forget from year to year. You're not a hundred percent sure um, what, uh, what exactly was the status. What did I need to do with this? What I need to do with that? There's a new product. There may be a new child in the family who has certain eating requirements. There may be all sorts of other things that uh, crop up, that come up, and uh, there are all sorts of questions that people ask. You may be traveling. You need to know what you've got to do about the sale of the chametz, about bedikat chametz, and so on. There may be all sorts of things that need to be heard about. And therefore, it was incumbent on the leader of the community, the Gadol, to actually give this big drosha. And so, for a number of reasons, Shabbat HaGadol, big rabbi, giving a big drosha, giving a big um, sermon and a big preach all about all the rules and regulations pertaining to Pesach. This all happened on Shabbat HaGadol, on this big Shabbos. And so therefore it is a big Shabbos. And there are certain things that we do on this big Shabbos which warrant special mention as well. First of all, in many communities, a special Haftorah is read. Not everybody does that because there are some who will only read the special Haftorah uh, for Shabbat HaGadol on the, if the Shabbat is the day preceding Pesach, then it's only for Erev Pesach reading if Shabbat HaGadol occurs on that day, which it doesn't this year. And therefore, um, there are some who read this special Haftorah. Um, we also have the idea that in the afternoon, after we have said our afternoon prayers, Mincha on Shabbat afternoon, Saturday afternoon, we read a large chunk of the Haggadah is read um, aloud or privately, quietly, however it's done in your particular community and everybody following. It's printed in the back of most many good Sidurim that you actually have this portion of uh, the Haggadah from where it starts with Avadim Hayinu, that we were slaves in Egypt. In other words, the beginning of the answer that uh, the father, so to speak, gives it to his children at the Pesach Seder, all the way through, right up until after the Dayenus um, and so on. This is all read on Shabbat afternoon, and there are many reasons that are given for it. Number one is to start our taste buds going, I guess, for um, what Pesach is really all about, to get us into the mindset of here we're hearing the Haggadah. It does that to you. It puts it into your mind. It makes it feel as though Pesach is really, really close. Yes, um, that could put the fear of God into most people and make people a little bit um, shaking in their boots with trepidation at the fact that Pesach is so close. But it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And we're celebrating our freedom. And it's got all these wonderful implications for us. And on this coming Shabbat, we therefore start getting ourselves into the right frame of mind by reading a part um, of and a large part of the Haggadah on the Shabbat afternoon as a forerunner, as a preparation. And that adds to the idea of it being gadol, of it being big. It's got this bigness of something that is added in the afternoon service, albeit in the later afternoon, to uh, what it is that we actually do on this Shabbat. So it is 
preparatory and it is the beginning and it is the time when we think perhaps more than um, most of the fact that redemption and Shabbat have some kind of a great relationship. There is an intertwining between the two, that Geula, that redemption and Shabbat are uh, really hand in hand. They're part and parcel of each other and therefore on this Shabbat. More so than perhaps than most We are really really involved in the concepts Of Geula, of redemption Thinking about that it was in the month of Nisan That we got out and we're told That it'll be in the month of Nisan That we will get out um, Of uh, this Galut, of this diaspora Of this exile As we did all those years ago when we got out of Egypt As the um, week draws then uh, to a close with the coming Shabbat up ahead, Shabbat Agadol, um, there probably won't be that much time for us next week to really cover everything else. So perhaps we'll give you just a few pointers um, from Judaism 101.9 as to what you should be thinking and doing during the remaining time that you have now, between now and uh, Pesach itself. First and foremost, one has to attend to the sale of Chometz. Now, the sale of Chometz is a very, very interesting concept um, that is designed only to enable us to be able to um, utilize whatever we um, need from our kitchen point of view and from our eating point of view, from our household point of view, um, after Pesach, that we are um, setting up a mechanism whereby uh, the things that are of a chametz nature, that are of a leaven nature, and particularly um, um, foodstuffs and so on that we may have locked away in pantries or in cupboards and so on for the duration of Pesach, um, the law actually is that we are not allowed to see any of that stuff, so that's all got to be put away, but we also are not allowed to own it. We're not allowed to possess it. It's not allowed to be in our possession. So other than getting rid of every little bit of anything chametz from your home and actually turfing it out, burning it, um, getting rid of it entirely, um, one, not everybody is capable or able to do that, not from a financial point of view, nor do you actually want to do that. Um, and therefore, our sages developed a way whereby we could sell those goods, not own them, to get them out of our legal possession, um, and that um, hopefully after Pesach they will be returned to us through a reversal of that sale. And the sale of the Chomets has become something um, that is halakhically required, that is uh, required of us from a spiritual, legal point of view, that we're not allowed to own the chametz, we're not allowed to own anything chametz, anything leaven for the duration of Pesach. And so before Pesach, we need to make sure that we have sold it. Now, how does one sell one's chametz? Well, once again, today it is really, really easy. Um, in times gone by, what one had to do was either you yourself had to find a non-Jew in order to do this transaction with. Um, then it became that all the towns did it and people would make the rabbi of the town their proxy. They would make him their agent to carry out the sale. Um, we have a structure set up in South Africa in Johannesburg called the Beth Din. So your rabbi um, acts as an agent for the Beth Din. The Beth Din actually does the transaction 
with a non-Jew who is brought in on Erev Pesach, on, um, that'll be on Friday morning a week, um, in the, um, around about 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, that, um, he goes to the Beth Din and becomes the official owner of all the chametz that is sold through the Beth Din. Um, and, um, at that stage, the chametz really transfers legally to his possession. He puts down a deposit and um, is told that unless he comes up with a down payment at the end of Pesach, um, the sale will be reversed. So he's given that option, I guess, and from a legal point of view. Everything needs to be drawn up legally and properly and signed and sealed and so on. And this all happens on Erev Pesach. But how do you get your chametz into that uh, purchase order? How do you get that onto the list? Well, there are several ways. Number one is go to your own rabbi in shul over the next few days leading up to Pesach, certainly not on Shabbat itself, um, and there you will just um, it, uh, do a transaction with him whereby you're appointing him as his agent. You're going to sign a piece of paper. You're going to put it down on uh, your address and the places where you have chametz. You're going to sign on that. You're going to lift up something to show a transference, which we call a kinyan, um, that he acquires it actually from you. It is not something that has to be done once your house is ready and prepared for Pesach. It is something that should be done um, at any time now and do it rather sooner rather than later so that the the actual transaction can take place on Erev Pesach. doesn't matter when you do it now. It's not that you're actually transacting and selling anything now. You're just um, putting your name on the list that anything that is in your possession on Erev Pesach then will actually be transferred. And this all needs to be done as soon as possible. There are other ways that one can do this, and that is you can go online. If you went online to ChabadSouthAfrica.org and you take a look there on our website, you will see that there is a Mechirat uh, Chametz form. There's a form for the selling of Chametz. You can do it there um, or to the UOS site, to the site of the UOS, the Union of Orthodox Synagogues, the Beth Din website. You can transact there as well. Um, so whichever is easiest for you, whichever way you can do it, just make sure you do do one of those things um, before Pesach. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. So we've been talking about the upcoming Chag of Pesach and the things that need to be done between now and then. Well, one of them is Mechirat Chametz, the selling of the Chametz. That should be taking place as soon as you possibly can. Get that done, get that out of the way. Now, what you also need to be doing, if you haven't started already, we need to be searching the house for and cleaning for Chametz. Now, the idea of the sale of the chametz is actually only really for the stuff that you know about. The stuff that you don't know about, you can't really sell. That's the stuff that we actually have to nullify. Now, that all takes place in a process that we'll talk about next week, just before Pesach. But what one has to do is one has to actually quantify what you have. We need to check. We need to clean. We need to go through the home. Literally, more than with a fine-tooth comb, because um, crumbs can fit between the teeth of a comb, and that's really not good enough. We've got to go through with the mops. We've got to go through with the um, uh, the shmatas, the, the dishcloths, and so on. We've got to make sure that we get rid of any chametz that may be anywhere. Now, if you have kids in the house, kids can carry chametz all over the place. There can be stuff in drawers. There can be stuff in pockets. There can be things... In lunchboxes, in school bags, um, there can be things in cupboards, there can be things in carpets, it can be in um, 
nooks and crannies within the home, on bookshelves, behind books. It can be anywhere. And even if you don't have kids around, you uh, don't realize. We don't all don't realize. You know, you're sitting and you're eating breakfast, or you're doing something um, in a in the study instead of being in the dining room or the kitchen and uh, you drop some crumbs and the crumbs fall into some cracks in the desk into a drawer and so on. These are all the things that one has to check before Pesach. We're not allowed to possess any chametz. Remember, any chametz not allowed to be possessed on Pesach. We're also not allowed to see it. So there's a lot of putting away of items that are chametz and making sure that they're all stored um, and sealed up correctly. Um, all of that has to take place, of course, before Pesach actually comes in. Now, of course, you do not have to look for chametz on uh, the pelmets of your curtains. Who would have taken the chametz up there anyway? You certainly, it may be something that you want to do, and maybe this is where it came from, that you have what we call a spring cleaning because it is Pesach, and because Pesach occurs in the spring could have something to do with that. But the idea of actually looking for chametz is in places and nooks and crannies and things where chametz would be predominantly. And, of course, once one has done most of the rest of the home, the main place, of course, is the kitchen. And in the kitchen, one needs to make sure that you have your uh, Pesach utensils. We cannot use the same utensils throughout the that we use throughout the year for Pesach. They cannot be used. We need to have new or different utensils. Or, alternatively, there are certain things that can be kashered. Now, we'll need to make sure that you ask um, correctly to your kashrut advisor, whether it is your rabbi, your rabbitson, your uh, from brother-in-law, whoever it is, uh, or sister-in-law, that you may be asking the question. But we need to make sure that you um, kasher correctly if kashering, if koshering those utensils is actually what you do. This is all in the build-up to Pesach. All of the stuff should be done. And don't leave it till the last minute. It's too um, huge a task to do all in one and right at the end. This is stuff that one should be doing gradually in the build-up to Pesach in the duration of this week and the early part of next. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Hi, welcome back. Um, yes, summing up of all the things that we should be bearing in mind, that we should have in mind, we should do um, in this coming week. Number one is, of course, Shabbat Hagadol coming up, and we've spoken about that. There is the Mechirat Chametz, the sale of the Chametz, which needs to be done. We need to be looking for Chametz and cleaning. We need to be checking. Now, uh, if, you re- if you're an avid reader, you may have dropped crumbs into a book. There are places within books where crumbs can hide quite well. We need to get rid of all of that stuff before Pesach. So we clean it out. We, uh, at the moment, can throw it away and um, and so on. And there's uh, nothing that one has to actually do. This is not part of any formal ceremony or anything like that. It is just the actual cleaning out of the Chametz. We've got to remember at the same time that the idea of cleaning out chametz is getting rid of um, in a spiritual sense anything to do with hot air anything to do with um, haughtiness anything to do with um, arrogance and pride and all of those things which actually we should be working on getting rid of within ourselves yes the idea of cleaning and um, preparing the home for Pesach is something that um, everybody should be involved in, um, including the men folk, including the this is not a woman's only job. This is something that everybody should be involved in. Um, you should train your children, uh, kids. I often believe that by um, going away for Pesach, it's one of the things that we're not only um, uh, 
perhaps spoiling our kids, which is something that Jewish parents like to do, but it is something whereby we are taking away from them the idea of the home being prepared for Pesach. It's all part of the system, and what it actually does is it doesn't demean you in any way, but it does certainly bring you down to earth a couple of notches um, when you're involved in all that stuff, and part of the process has to be a humbling process. We are bringing ourselves to a more humble frame of mind, to something a little bit less um, arrogant, um, a little bit less full of ourselves. And is this not really what ultimately the matzah represents over the chametz? Chametz, chametz being full of hot air, matzah having all the hot air taken out of it. It is flat, it is humble, it is poor man's bread, it is the bread that reminds us of our humility. Uh, perhaps above all else. And part of the process of preparation for Pesach um, does this to us. It makes us feel that way. And it is certainly very, very much part and parcel of what we've got to do as one of our preparations for Pesach. Work on oneself. Work on our arrogance. Work on our sense of self-importance. And remember that uh, come Pesach, we should uh, be there and about with um, that as well as we are with our matzahs, our wine, and all the other things that we've got to prepare. And, of course, we need to purchase all of those things, have them all ready, be ready before Pesach with everything that we've got um, that we need for the duration of the festival and certainly um, making sure that we don't run out. Um, I don't think in Jewish homes we like to run out of food at any time, but certainly not when it comes to Pesach. So all of those things in the preparation for Pesach. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. Happy Pesach preparations, and please, God, we'll be back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.